Okay, but we're, today we're back in our series, uh, and happy Father's Day to everyone, uh, called Strapped, and it's two sides of the same coin is the title, and I'll explain that a little bit in a few minutes. Uh, <clears throat> so let's pray before we jump in. Uh, thank you, God. You are our Heavenly Father. You're a perfect Father, and uh, what a wonderful example to us uh, to love and lead. Um, God, it's a little frustrating as a dad because we screw up, we mess up, we fail, and we fall short, and uh, uh, sometimes we feel responsible for <laughs> our kids' actions. Uh, God, forgive us for our shortcomings. We pray our families do. we sure they do. We thank you for your love for us and your encouragement to us, and we thank you. Ah, what a privilege to be a dad. Um, God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for worship. We thank you for your word, which we'll look at. We thank you for the resources you provide for us. And another thing we must confess is, God, I'm sure none of us have done the best job we can uh, with the resources you've given to us. Again, we thank you. Forgive us. Uh, we hopefully will commit ourselves to doing better, being, doing your will. Uh, not only our financial resources and our stuff, but our time, our talents, our energy, all those things. So God, these words, God, let them honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I know some of you hadn't been here with us through this whole series. And so we're trying to figure out how to remember this stuff. And so we're using a visual. And we're talking about the three laws of physical balance that'll help us in keeping our financial balance. And so week one, we talked about Reference point. I need to have a reference point. So when I'm trying to, I mean, it's harder that way. Let me do it this way. <laughs> uh, I have to watch the top of the bat if I'm going to balance the bat. That's my reference point. So in week one, we said as far as our finances, our reference point is you need to be knowing where your money is going. And we gave you that assignment week one, and we said to do it week two. And hopefully you've kept track of all uh, the money. Not, you can do some other system. We said you can do it on paper, and paper and a pencil. Keep track of where all your money is going. That's important if you're going to have balance. Then last week we talked about the third law, which was clear objective. I've got to have a clear objective. So what is my objective with the bat? My objective is to keep it upright. <laughs> and I'm not doing very good today. Uh, but that's my objective. And so I've got to keep that objective in mind. If I take my eye off my objective, there's no way I can balance it, right? So in our finances, what should be our objective? Uh, and we came out with this conclusion that we honor God with everything. Why? Because it all belongs to Him. <laughs> it all comes from Him, and it's all distributed by Him. And at some point in our lives, we need to come to a point, we could use the word surrender, where we surrender the, to that fact. We actually believe it. We trust it, and we act accordingly. And so we skip the second law. The second law is constant correction. So the balance is bad. I've got to constantly move my hand. I've got to constantly correct all right, so same thing in our financial world. Now, we're going to talk about this for about three weeks. We're going to talk about different ways and areas that we need to make constant corrections. So we're going to talk about two things today, which seems kind of opposite, but they're really two sides of the same coin, and hopefully I'll explain that as we go along. Uh, consumer debt and extra. And uh, for some folks, the problem with the bad is I see immediately when I'm out of balance, don't I? In our finance, it doesn't happen that way, does it? It can be months, years later, and for some of us, maybe it is too late to get it balanced. Hopefully not. Um, 
most of us either emulate the model that our parents had. So if our parents were savers, we're savers. If our parents were spenders, we're probably spenders. Or we do the opposite. You know, maybe your parents were spenders and never, you never had any fun. They never let spend any money on them fun, so you just want to have fun. Or vice versa, uh, they got in debt and you, it was uncomfortable for you, so you're, you're careful you don't get in debt. But here's something I like to talk to you about this morning. That we believe, and if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here, but if you're a Jesus follower, we are accountable to God for how we manage our money. We're accountable. You know, I don't know exactly how uh, judgment's going to go, <laughs> but um, it'd be a little uncomfortable if God pulled out our checkbooks and said, hey, <laughs> what'd you do with the money I gave you? And he looked at the stuff we have. Um, we all have a materialistic side, I guess you would say, right? We all like shinier, newer, bigger, fancier stuff. So it's a constant attraction, and the uh, advertising world's job is to try and buy into that, right? And say, not, we don't need it, but we really want it. And so, really important to say, okay, I'm accountable to God for how I manage my money. And as we said week one, if you hired a financial manager and they did the job you're doing with your money, would you fire them? Especially if they didn't know where it went. Where it went. So, in this area, I think you need to set some goals, and keep them before you. And so I'm going to give you four. Here's four goals. Keep in mind. First, a goal for giving. And then there's a goal for saving. Dave Ramsey would say, save, give 10%, save 10%, and live on the, the rest, the 80%. And so that would be the living part of the spending point. But in all of that, there's this overarching goal is to stay out of debt. Now, for many of us, that's impossible because we're already in debt, so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But here's part of the problem. Most of us like to upgrade. We like to upgrade our appliances, we'll upgrade our cars, upgrade our standard of living, upgrade our housing. Well, there's two ways you can upgrade. Next slide, please. You can upgrade your standard of living by working your way, working hard, earning your way, or the common way nowadays is how? to go into debt. So people buy houses that they can't afford, they buy cars they can't, or lease cars they can't afford, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, the problem in our culture is it's so easy to do that, isn't it? You can just sign your signature or stick the credit card in and upgrade your standard of living just like that, right? Problem is uh, you got to pay for it eventually. And you're going to pay more for it. I found this rhyme. I thought it was cute. One system is fast. One is slow. <laughs> Either working for it or using credit. One brings peace. The other brings, whoa, heartache, tragedy. Often. Now, especially if you take the D Dave Ramsey class or even talk to some folks around here. <laughs> when you do it the right way, when you do it the slow way, when you do it the peaceful way, God honors that. And we've got all kinds of people that give testimonies to that. Um, other interesting thing I thought about this was this. When I was growing up, I remember this. I didn't know a lot about my, my parents' financing. But when they went into debt, it was when my dad would be, like, unemployed. 
or my dad wouldn't be able to work for some other reason. So our lives, our, 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 our lives were difficult. Our lives were, things weren't going well for us. And that's the reason we went in debt. That was the only reason people went in debt back then. There weren't credit cards. Uh, and I remember him having to go to these, like, uh, I can't remember, consumer credit or something, some little uh, strip mall place. And I can't imagine what the interest rate was. I was too young to know. But I know my mom would have these tickets and have to pay, pay this money back. But people that went in debt was because things weren't going well. So consequently, we go into debt today. We're living as if things aren't going well. And we don't think about it that way, but that's the reality. That's the next slide, by the way. <laughs> uh, living like things aren't going well. I was talking to my small group about this. When I was growing up, when, you know, one of your appliances was about to die, you didn't go out and buy a new appliance. You went and put it on layaway. And some of you younger folks probably had never heard of that. But layaway was you'd go to the store and say you needed a new washing machine. And you gave them $100 and it cost $300. And you say, I'll keep paying on this. And once I've paid all of it, then they gave you the washing machine. So two, prop, two benefits of that. There was no interest involved. And when you got it, paid for, it was brand new. Sometimes it's worn out before you get it paid for. So debt is living like things aren't going well. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. I'm going to ask it in the negative or answer it in the negative. Why would you want to be in debt? Why would you want to? Especially when we look at what the Bible has to say about it. Bible has so much to say about finance and so much to say about debt, so much wisdom. We don't have a lot of time this morning. We'll talk about a few things. But the first thing is this. Something we learned the hard way is a reason we wouldn't want to be in debt. And this is from Proverbs, supposedly the smartest guy that ever lived, wisest guy that ever lived. And uh, we're quoting him here. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, this translation is servant. Some translations use the word slave, which I think is probably a better term. So, how many of you want to be somebody's slave? Raise your hand. Well, if I ask you how many of you are in debt, there'll be a bunch of hands go up. And the Bible just said what? You're a slave. You volunteered to be a slave. See, that's the difference about slavery in the past. We don't sell ourselves into slavery. 2,000 years ago, people sold themselves into slavery. They couldn't afford to stay alive any other way. But what do we do? We buy or consume our way into slavery, don't we? That's the next slide. Who's back there? <laughs> so, we learned the hard way that the borrower is slave to the lender. We're buying or consuming our way into slavery. Next thing, why would we go into debt? <laughs> we lack self-control. The Proverbs, again, used a beautiful word picture for us. It says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, we don't kind of live in cities like that, but that was their protection. We'd say it was like their army or like their police force, okay? So basically, it's not having an army or a police force, why would you choose to live that way if you had an option? 
You're unprotected. You're exposed to your enemy. Uh, you've given control to your enemy, if you will. Now, self-control is a character issue. It's a spiritual issue. See, finances are a spiritual issue. They're not a, a financial issue. And we lack so little self-control. In fact, the first verse, second verse in Proverbs talks about this book is to teach wisdom, help teach wisdom and self-control. And we, we all need to learn that. Some of us may be good with our finances, not so good with maybe our health issues or our time or whatever it might be. So again, why would you choose to give up control, to sell yourself into slavery or buy yourself into slavery? Why would you do that? And if it's a spiritual issue, I don't know exactly how to say this properly, but I think it breaks God's heart. When we are bad managers. If somebody was a bad manager for you, would it break your heart? Whether it's for our time, our finances, or whatever it might be. So I put on, put on the screen, we all have this choice. You and I get to choose to control us or give control or choose to have creditors choose to control us. I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty easy choice when we think about it but without without when we lack self-control we are giving our way our choice to our creditors third reason why would you and i go into debt because it severely impacts our ability to be generous i can't speak for everybody but i would say almost all of us have been somewhere where there was a need whether it's uh, the need of the poor or a spiritual ministry, you know, that doesn't have enough money to pay his bills, or is going to have to, sh- you know, shut down, or, or lay off people, or, or do less work, or do less ministry. And I believe it's God's laid on our heart to support that, or help that ministry, or help that cause, or help those folks that are, that are needy. But then you get this battle between your merit, merit express bill and God, and who wins? Well, the creditor wins, right? The Visa or American Express card wins. And so we are grieved because we can't obey God. We can't support what, what we, uh, we would like to support. I think we grieve God because we aren't supporting the ministry that he would uh, be in favor of or support. I did, I'm going to be a lot of statistics today. I just looked up a few. The average American has consumer debt. So we're leaving out business debt and we're leaving out house debts. All right? This is just cars and all that other stuff. The average American carries $38,000 of consumer debt. The average American. All right? 38000 7000 is on revolving credit cards. All right? So that's money they don't pay off <laughs> or they pay as little as possible. The average American. <laughs> now, 23% of Americans are debt-free. All right, so in this group, 23% of us don't have this, which means the other 77% are in this, this category here. And so if that's the average American, if there's 23%, you know, the, the average is going to be higher uh, for everyone. So here's one way to think about it. We drift into debt, right? Most of us don't say, hey, yeah, I just want to get a bunch of debt on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I buy this, I buy that, and all of a sudden I'm in a lot of debt. 
but we have to claw our way out. Dave Ramsey's fantastic. I don't want to give you a big clip, but if you haven't taken the class, I've taken it four times. I'm a slow learner, I guess. Um, but I'm just going to show you a two-minute clip where he's explaining this concept. So that night, he answered my prayer. I was scanning the channels, and I hit the Discovery Channel, and there were the gazelles. They were out there gazelling around. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I was just reading about you guys. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, a bird from the hand of the fowler. This is how you get out of death. I thought, that's pretty cool. And, and you know the Discovery Channel was not there if, if the gazelles were there by themselves, don't you? You know someone else was there looking for lunch in all the right places, don't you? You know? And the gazelles, I don't know if you know this, they have a cheetah detector behind their ear and they go, cheetah! Run! Because the gazelles know that they cannot outrun the cheetah. The cheetah is the fastest mammal on dry land. He can go from zero to 47 miles an hour in four leaps. The gazelle cannot outrun the cheetah. And we had to slow this down so I don't have time to talk. <laughs> this bad cat is seriously fast. And, and the, these gazelles, man, they are running for their lives. That's what they're doing. Look, he picked out a college student. Hey, kid. Hey, kid, come here. Hey, kid. Kid, you need to build up your FICO score. Hey, kid. You'll never get a cell phone if you don't have a credit score. Come here. Come here, kid. Come here, kid. I got a free T-shirt for you, kid. Come here. Let me tell you, God says this is how you get out of debt. You got to run for your life. You got to put it in gear. You got to run, 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 run. You got to bust it. You got to bust it. You got to go like your life depends on it. have gazelle intensity. You got to put it in gear like you've never put it in gear. You can wander into debt, but you cannot wander out. You got to have this sense of passion, this sense of attack. All right. And he goes on and on again. All right. You can wander in, but you got to claw. You got to fight, fight, fight your way out. Most of our culture deals with this this way. If I can afford to make the payments this month, I'm okay. No, 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 no. It's just if you can afford to make the payments, you need to run, run, run to get out of debt, to get out of slavery, right? If you're in slavery and you've got an opportunity to get out, you want to get out as soon and as fast as possible. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and some of you are probably going to argue with me, but I truly believe it's true. You can't be balanced, unbalanced, should be unbalanced, or can't be balanced, no. You can't be balanced and honor God while you're in debt. You can't be, because debt is slavery to somebody else and not allow us to be a disciple. Again, disciple is that word discipline. And we're so undisciplined, we're not disciples. We can't be. So, back to constant correction. Debt's one, it's a huge thing, and we're going to encourage you to take financial peace, and we'll talk about that at the end. Now, the other side of this coin is extra. And most of you say, well, wait a minute, I'm in credit card debt. I don't have extra. Well, the reason you're in credit card debt is because you, you, you took your extra and more to buy stuff you couldn't afford or didn't need. Again, a spiritual issue. The way you and I manage our extra, in particular, is a reflection of your heart. 
I mean, we all have, you know, basic necessities of life. And so we're talking about food, clothing, housing, and transportation. If you have those things, anything other than that is extra. So this is a reflection of your heart. So do you ever go to the movies? You have extra. Do you have a coffee habit? You have extra. Do you have a car? The majority of the people in the United States, I mean, in the world, do not have cars. Most of us have more than one. We have three. We have extra. You have extra. Oh, do you have a house? Do you not rent? Then you have extra. And I could go on and on and on. How many of us have bought something new when the old one still worked? Don't raise your hand. You and I have extra. We had extra to buy that new thing when the old thing still worked. Now, I don't feel like I have extra unless I'm in a third world country. And I'm living with people that don't have houses and cars. and Most of them don't have food to eat or don't have clothes to wear. Then I understand. Then I realize that I've got lots of extra. So again, the way you and I manage our extra is a reflection of our hearts. And we'll get to that when we get to the passage of Scripture. And here's the truth. The desire for extra is like the rest of our appetites. Never fully and totally satisfied. It's Father's Day. Many of us, our, our spouses or somebody is going to make us our favorite meal and we'll probably eat more than we should. And we won't be able to eat anymore. Until what? Three or four hours later, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're going to look at something Jesus, Jesus said. And again, the Bible has so much to say about this. And Jesus, most of Jesus' audience was in that poor category, which is really interesting. So in Luke chapter 12, this guy comes to Jesus and says, hey, you need to tell my brother to share, share my dad's inheritance with me. And Jesus said, hey, that's none of my business. And then in verse 15, he says this. Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Now, interesting thing about greed, if I asked how many of you are greedy, nobody would put their hands up, would they? Greed's impossible to see in the mirror. But let's look at the way he describes it. Life is not measured by how much you own. So, I'm going to paraphrase it this way. Greed is the assumption that life's extras are for our consumption. How many of us are greedy? It's the assumption that our life's extras are for our consumption. So we go to the movies, we buy Starbucks coffee, we have three cars, right? It's the assumption that's for our consumption. And then he tells a parable we call a story that has a moral or a point to it. And again, this is interesting because he's talking mostly a poor audience. And we call it the parable of the rich fool. Uh, verse 16. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. So he was already rich, right? He already had plenty. And God blessed him, gave him more. So this was his dilemma. What am I going to do with the more? And the story goes on. He said to himself, and like we all do, we talk to ourselves, what am I going to do? Scratching his head. 
I don't have room for all these crops. Now, at that point, you've got lots of options, right? He could sell the extra crops. He could give the crops away. What's he decide to do? He said, this is what I'll do. I'll get a storage unit. <laughs> That's what we do, right? <laughs> I'll get a storage unit. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. This is what I'll do. Next verse. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. So I'll buy a bigger house. Or get more storage units, right? A bigger one. And there I will store my surplus grain. So he's got this extra. Again, like most of us, we all have extra. So what am I going to do with my extra? Well, I'm going to hoard it. We use that word these days, right? I'm going to hoard my extra. Then he said, I'll sit back to myself and say, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come, my friend. Take it easy. All right? I've got my extra. I'm hoarding my extra. I'm in, in a good situation. And then some of you probably know this phrase, but didn't know it was in the Bible. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds good, right? He's got a plan. He's all set. He's in control. But God said to him, you fool. Why was he a fool? Well, you're going to die this very night, and then who will get everything you work for? He bought the lie that the control and the value of life is in what, what we own and what we hold on to and what we can think we control. And for like many of us, he's going to run out of time before he runs out of money, right? Most of us are going to have money to quote-unquote pass on to somebody. <laughs> but if you don't decide who gets it, no matter if you decide or not, somebody else is going to get it. The old adage, there's no U-Haul behind hearses, right? None of it goes with you. So how much of it is he going to lose? All of it. He's going to lose all of it. And then a verse I think we started with, uh, no, the next, not this verse, the next verse. Then he, then he says this, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. So he's, he's making a comparison here. What's more important? Well, a relationship with God because that's going to continue. That can't be lost. Earthly things by nature are going to be lost. And then I didn't put this verse on, but he he describes later about what you, you and I need to do. And he basically says you need to give to the needy. If I have surplus and somebody's in need, the logical thing is what? For me to use my surplus to help those in need. I mentioned this. We get calls almost every week from people in the community that have needs. We, it's hard to judge why they're needy. But if the electric or the water is going to be turned off and we have finances, and again, I thank you for your generosity. It's not my money I'm giving them. It's the church's money. Um, but it only makes sense in the humanity of us outside of our Christian responsibility is to use our surplus to help those in need. And then the verse we, we started the series with, he ends with this, wherever your treasure is, their desires your heart will also be. Where are your treasures? Is it storing up surplus? It's 
amounting earthly stuff? Are you able to support the ministries you like and help the needy people you like? Or are you too, too committed to this other lifestyle? I'm going to take more time than usual talking about the homework this morning. All right, so one side of the coin was the debt, right? So you need to create a plan. Whether it's you keeping track of it uh, on paper or whatever it might be. Um, you got to have a plan. This is too important not to have a plan. It's too important just to, you know, money come in, money go out, not, not keep track of it. Secondly, you need to be accountable. If you're Jesus follower, you're first and foremost accountable to who? God. <laughs> It'd be one thing to be accountable to me, but you're not accountable to me. You're accountable to God. And so many of us need to get down on our knees and, and, and ask for forgiveness right now or later today if you want. Because I haven't been a good manager, God. I haven't helped needy people when I could have. I've hoarded stuff that I don't, I don't need, et cetera, et cetera. How it might go. Especially if you have a difficulty with self-control, which most of us do. You need to have physical, human accountability. And that's part of financial peace, right? And so it's embarrassing enough for, for the world to know when you go bankrupt or whatever, you, you lose your house or not. So get in a small group, get in financial peace, and share with them. Okay, I did this stupid thing. I bought this. I couldn't afford it, whatever it is. And work together to get on track, to follow the plan, to get out of debt, i.e. slavery, right? One problem we have with debt in our culture, and that's the way they sell it. Oh, you could buy this new car, uh, you know, $200 a month. Well, I can afford $200 a month. Well, that's going to go on for six years or whatever amount of time it is, and who knows what interest you're paying, or you paid more to begin with than you, for the car. So I try to think of a silly illustration. If I gave you a candy bar and said there's just a little bit of poison in there, go ahead and eat it. How many of you are going to eat it? I don't think anybody's going to eat it. So if you've got debt that you could quote-unquote afford, that's still poison. So get a plan, follow the plan. Most likely you need to be in an accountability group here on earth, be accountable to God. And at some point you need to surrender, as we talked last week about, honor God with everything. It all belongs to him, it all comes from him, and he distributes it all. Come to that place of surrender. Now, what about the extra? Give you an assignment. Figure out how much you've given the last, I don't know, six months, last year. Just give it away. Whether it's to the church or some other charities, whatever it might be. Figure up and then figure out how much income you had in that same amount of period, a time. What I'm trying to find out is, and that's not too hard, hard math, what percentage of your resources you give away? And I told you two weeks ago, I think, the average American gives 2%, and politicians are the worst. Don't know of any politician that ties. <laughs> and many of them claim to be Christians, right? 2%. All right, the Bible doesn't talk about amount we give. It talks about percentage. Remember the lady did it, came, and she gave her last penny, and Jesus said she gave more than everybody else. She gave physically the least amount. Why? Because God looks at percentage. She gave it all, 100%. Nobody else did that. So I'm encouraging, if you don't give by percentage, 
Give by percentage and increase your percentage. Hopefully you're more than 2%. <laughs> Hopefully you're more than 10%. And it's not to benefit us. I mean, we would love to have more of your income to, to do more of ministry that we'd love to do. You decide where to give it. Dave Ramsey would say 10%. Give away 10%. First 10%. Got to figure out the percentage and increase the percentage. I encourage you 10%. People say, I can't do 10%. Somebody probably can't. But if you lost, if you got a 10% cut in your salary, what would you do? You would adjust. Exactly, because we all have extra. You may have to sell your house, get a smaller house, sell your car, get a smaller, cheaper car, but you would adjust. Anyway, you're answerable to God, not to me. <laughs> Pick a percentage, decide where it's going, and give it first. Give it first. First 10%, first whatever percent, 2%, 3%, 20%, 30%, I don't know what percentage. Pick a percentage, figure out where you want it to go, and give it first. If you give it last, no time, it, it, it won't get there. If we don't do this, how are we measuring life? How did Jesus say we measured life? By the amount of stuff we own, which none of it we can take. And there's a, Angie, you can give testimony of this. Uh, anytime we get on God's agenda, God jumps in and helps. And there's this ex- unexpected money that comes. There's unexpected discounts, unexpected things that just happen when you get on God's agenda. So I encourage you to truly, seriously do your homework this week. You've got your expenditures, hopefully, from the last two weeks. Ask yourself, how did I honor God? Or did I honor God with this and this and this? And if anything on there didn't honor God, you and I need to reconsider. We need to make adjustments. We need to get balanced, right? Because that is the only way we can truly honor God. There's so much I can say about this. Encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace, FPU. Call it Dave Ramsey. Put it on your Connect card. Get it to Angie and Scott. They teach the class. Uh, Probably the best investment of your time and money that you can ever make. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, that's enough for today. We've got a couple more weeks we're going to talk about uh, your personal finances. Uh, Let's pray together. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of us. We get to live in the United States. We all have extra. And again, God, we haven't always done the best job with it. We confess, we apologize, we're sorry. But as we say that, I pray that we truly are to the point where we're going to do better. And most likely we need support of others, uh, a class, a small group, or whatever it might be. There's so much peace, God, that comes from just following your agenda, doing it your way. And our culture does it differently. So this is anti-cultural. I, I understand that. But being a believer is. And even for those that aren't believers, God, there's so much wisdom here.
you can go back and study the, the, the wealthy people in the past and how they got wealthy by following your principles. So God, it's your stuff. We're asking you what you want us to do with it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.